Hallelujah for the cross. Say it with me, folks. Hallelujah for the cross. Say it again. Hallelujah for the cross. Praise God. I don't think I've ever heard the choir sing any more beautifully than that. That's tremendous. If that don't awaken you, something's wrong somewhere. Praise the Lord. Now, as I speak to you this morning on the Lord's Supper, I want you to uh, keep in mind a text that I want to make reference to because it's very, very important. This text is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 63. It says, It is the Spirit that giveth life, the flesh profiteth nothing. Let me say it again. These were the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He said, It is the Spirit that giveth life, the flesh profiteth nothing. What is the significance of the memorial service or the memorial feast or the communion service or the Lord's Supper or the breaking of bread, whichever terminology we like to use? I believe that it's one of the most significant parts of the worship in any particular church and any particular congregation because it speaks to us of the source of our eternal salvation and redemption. What we are this morning in Christ, we are because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. This is the gospel that we have to declare to a world today that's lost in sin. We read in Luke's gospel, chapter 22 and verse 19, and he, that is Jesus, took bread and gave thanks, and break it, and gave to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. A certain father had been separated from his family for a long time while he was engaged in a particular service for the Lord. One day his heart was cheered as he received a letter from one of his young children, which said, we still remember you, Daddy, and look for you to come back soon. How pleased the Lord Jesus is himself when he receives that come back from us, when we gather around his table and when we meditate on his suffering on the cross of Calvary, when we meditate on his death, and what it cost him to provide our eternal salvation, how this must cheer the heart of our wonderful Savior. This is a feast of remembrance, and it is a feast that we can come and gather around the Lord's table. And folks, believe me, this is not Calvary Bible Church's table. This is the Lord's table. His table don't belong to any one particular congregation or people. It's his table, and he has ordained this audience, this ordinance for our spiritual guidance, for our spiritual help, and for our spiritual strength from day to day. Now, I want to mention very briefly this morning, in the time that we have, just four simple facts, scriptural facts, if you please, in connection with the Lord's Supper or the communion service. First of all, I want you to notice its simplicity. The communion service is a very, very simple service. 
It isn't anything that's extra thrilling as far as the flesh is concerned. Now, keep in mind that text. It is the spirit that giveth life. The flesh profiteth nothing. So many times uh, people in general and sometimes Christians come to the house of the Lord for entertainment. In the Lord's Supper or the communion service, there's no entertainment. It's a very, very simple service. Very simple. When we consider the fact that the Lord Jesus himself is the host here at this service always. Let's listen uh, to a record that we have in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22 and verses 19 and 20. After the Passover... He took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. And likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Very simple, very plain, but very challenging and a tremendous memory to what it cost our Savior in order to make possible our eternal salvation and redemption. So the Lord's Supper, the communion service, is a very simple service in the presence of the Lord gathering around his table. Another fact from the scripture. Who is the Lord's Supper for? The Lord's Supper, the communion service, is for every born-again believer. Everyone. Now, this is, a, this is a problem that we have in so many of our, our churches today and our congregations that's not peculiar to Calvary Bible Church. In every other church that I've been, when the communion service or the Lord's Supper has been called, there are Christians, born-again believers, that will get up from the congregation and walk out before the service begins. I want to say to you this morning that that is a reproach to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. If you're a born-again believer, it is not whether you would like to partake in the Lord's Supper or the communion service. It is not a matter whether you think you would want to partake of the elements. It's a command from the Lord Jesus himself. And as a Christian... If you walk out of a communion service, you are bringing a reproach to the name of your Savior. Number two, you are disobeying his command. Do you know what it means to live in disobedience to the word of God, but more especially to the command by Jesus himself in the word? We're disobedient Christians when we fail to remain behind and partake in this memorial service, the service of the Lord's Supper or the communion. It's for every Christian. And there's no ifs or buts about it. Jesus said this, do in remembrance of me. Not whether you want to do it, not whether you think you should do it, but you have to do it if you're going to live in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, if you disobey the Lord, God is going to punish you as a Christian for it. You come in under God's chastening hand and you are going to be punished for it 
in one way or another. Folks, I want to impress this truth upon your heart this morning. Anytime a born-again believer, a Christian, disobeys the word of God deliberately, you will be chastened and chastised by the hand of your heavenly Father. And this is the reason why so many of us are experiencing so many problems of one kind and another. Because many of us are living in disobedience to the word of God, and especially in this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And so I say to you this morning, it is for every Christian, and you are obligated as a believer to partake in the Lord's Supper or the communion service. Another fact from the scripture. How often should it be observed? We have a lot of criticism today from certain sections as to the fact that we are not conforming to the word of God with regard to our celebration of the Lord's Supper. I want to say to you this morning that there is absolutely nothing in the word of God at all, anywhere, you won't find it, where it tells us that we have to celebrate the communion service or the Lord's Supper in any one particular time or any one particular number of times. There's nothing. There are some congregations that remember the Lord only on the first Sunday in the month. We were doing that for quite a number of years. Now we do it twice, in the evening on the third Sunday and in the morning on the first Sunday. There are some congregations who remember the Lord every Lord's Day. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we ought to give consideration to that. I, I feel that, that the more often we do it, the better for us spiritually. And maybe sometime we'll give consideration to that every Lord's Day. But there's nothing in the Word of God that tells us that we have to do it every Lord's Day. If you read the book of the Acts following the day of Pentecost when the church was born, you'll find out that the disciples on many occasions met daily for the breaking of bread. Every day they gathered for the breaking of bread and remembering the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and in his suffering. And so there's nothing that says we have to do it at any one particular time. It is open to us. We make our decision. But as far as I'm concerned personally, the more often we do it, the better. Because it gives us the incentive to search our hearts before the Lord. And whatever is there that shouldn't be there, it encourages us and challenges us to confess that and to get it right with the Lord and then uh, remember him in his death and in his suffering. One more fact I want to bring to your attention is the elements that are used. Now there are some congregations that feel as if they have to use fermented wine. There are others that think that they have to use the juice of the grape. And this is, this is sometimes controversial because others feel as if we're not doing it right and, uh, so forth and so on. But I want you to know this morning that there is absolutely nothing in the Word of God that tells us that we have to use any one particular thing to represent, uh, the blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have two terminologies that is used in the Bible. One of them is simply the cup. And the other reference is called in our Bible the fruit of the vine. Now, personally, I, I feel as if we ought to stay away from fermented wines. 
That's the way I feel about it, but I have no argument with those who choose to use fermented wines. Some feel very definitely about this, and they fail to uh, remember the Lord around the, the, t- the table of the Lord unless they have fermented vines. I, I heard this story some time ago. I, I read it, I think, in some, uh, scripture, some scriptural paper of some kind, some religious paper, where a particular congregation back in the uh, early days in the United States of America, when uh, it was impossible just about to get any kind of intoxicating beverage whatsoever, and this particular church postponed the Lord's Supper, the celebration of the Lord's Supper and the communion for three months because they were not able to get fermented wine to do it. Now, there's absolutely nothing in the word of God that tells us this. It calls the cup and the fruit of the vine, and that's all that we have. And so let me remind you once again that it is the spirit, you see, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I believe that if two Christians were isolated on an island with no one else anywhere around, And if they had a banana or some other fruit, and if they had some water to drink, they could celebrate the Lord's Supper. They could use that banana to represent the bread. They could use that plain water to represent the uh, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they could fellowship together there isolated on that island. That's exactly the way I feel because there is nothing in the word of God that tells us that we should not celebrate the communion service and remember the Lord because of the fact that we don't have some particular uh, drink of some particular kind. And so these facts are very relevant. And I want you to know exactly where we stand in connection with the communion and the Lord's Supper. Now we're going to go very shortly now into our communion service. I just wanted to make these few brief remarks to uh, impress upon your heart the truth of the word of God, because we get so narrow-minded so many times in our own individual thinking about certain things that are absolutely not scriptural at all. And we don't go into the word of God to try to find out what God says. We're just set in our ways. And this is what we want, and we go along with that. But we have to be open, folks, to the leading of the Spirit as contained in the word of God. Now, you listen to me this morning. I'm going to challenge you here. If you're a Christian and you are in Calvary Bible Church this morning, regardless of what the situation is, what's transacted outside, no matter how long it's been or how short it's been, you should remain for the communion service this morning. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Now, if there's something in your life that you feel is interfering with you participating and partaking in the communion service, you need to get that thing under the blood, folks. Don't live that way. I don't care what it is. This is God's table and his command to you as a child of his is to remember him in his death and in his suffering. Please don't leave this congregation this morning if you're a Christian. This is the old purpose of the Lord's Supper and the communion, to challenge us 
so that we will seek to find those things in our lives that we know shouldn't be there, that are displeasing to the Lord, that's keeping us away from the table of the Lord, and we need to get them under the blood. We need to confess them to the Lord as we prepare our hearts to participate in the communion service and to receive the elements that represent his broken body and his shed blood. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Suppose you have never stayed for a communion service before. If you are a Christian this morning, if you are born again into the family of God, that it's a command to you to remember the Lord Jesus Christ in his death and in his suffering. And I'm going to challenge you, if you've never stayed before, to stay this morning. Now, let me remind everyone that this is the table of the Lord for the people of God. If you're not saved this morning and you haven't made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then this table is not for you. Because if you participate of these emblems that represent his broken body and his shed blood, you are asking for God's judgment. It's a very serious thing to partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper when you are not a child of God. We invite you to make your decision for the Lord, to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if you're here this morning and God has spoken, spoken to you along this particular line, we would be glad as elders, any one of our counselors, to talk with you when the service comes to a close and lead you to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the table of the Lord are for the people of the Lord. And this is what we're going to do as we celebrate this communion service. Just let me tell you a very uh, brief story that I was reading just very recently concerning the subject of the Lord's Supper. This was an experience that was told by a member of a family in which this particular incident took place. There had been a split in their church, and it had left behind much bitterness, so that many people had withdrawn from the services of the church totally, and completely they didn't attend anymore. And on this one particular Sunday morning, which was the first Sunday of the month when the, when the communion service or the Lord's Supper was going to be celebrated, one of the members of that family got up from the breakfast table that morning and said to the rest of the family, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go along today to the service and I'm going to fellowship with the people of, the, of God and I'm going to remember the Lord in his death and in his suffering. What? exclaimed the others. Are you going back there to that church after the way our family has been treated? Where's your pride? And this is what the young lady said. This is communion Sunday. Listen now. I am going to sit at the Lord's table and remember his death for me. As for my pride, I haven't any pride when I survey the wondrous cross and I don't have any bitterness I had as all vanished when I remember he is coming back and perhaps very soon. We remember the Lord in his death and his suffering because it reminds us of the fact that he said, I go to prepare a place for you and I come again to receive you unto myself. Now, there may be some bitterness 
in the hearts and lives of somebody here today. You may be out of fellowship with some other individual. I beg you this morning, as this young lady did, to make it right. And during the time that we have when the elements are being distributed, let us take that time to close our eyes and to think about anything in our lives that's interfering with our fellowship and our communion with the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive us, to cleanse us by his precious blood, and then we can freely partake of the communion service as we worship the Lord in this particular way.